Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Say Our Names podcast. My name is Jamila Johnson, and I'm your host for episode one, History. We are going to explore and get enlightenment to the history, struggles, and victories of the Black community. I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy. Honestly, to really get a feel for the Black community, you have to think about how from the very beginning, it was all injustices put onto us through slavery, through civil rights movement, up until now, even with the Black Lives Matter movement. It's always been a series of injustices because in this country, it was built on and founded upon the thought of rich white men who are landowners being the top tier, right? Even the laws that were made in this country were built for rich white men who are landowners and because we came over here we were packaged in ships we were taken from our family we don't know the language we're disoriented we just crossed the whole ocean and based off the color of our skin this system is not gonna work for us so really to get a feel we have to go through the history and pick out the problems that have started ever since we came here and the first point to that is talking about slavery and slavery is really something that only ended a hundred plus years ago and that's about four or five generations depending on the family right so while being shipped over to the americas many slaves would throw themselves overboard whether pregnant having children whatever and others would just straight up not eat and those slaves were force fed and they were kept on ships and plantations and if they were thought of being suicidal they were punished right so many of them decided hey i don't want to be here anymore and that's where you get into the topic of runaways and abolitionism but for now we need to focus on the fact that slave slaves their lives were never recorded their history was never recorded where they came from was never recorded right so those who were kept alive and brought over were sold they were brutalized they were taken from their family and slavers wanted to make sure that these slaves were completely dependent on them through a system of restrictions that they put up and they were usually things like you can't read you can't write you're not allowed to talk to certain people you can't go out of these parameters you're supposed to sleep in these houses that we put up and the houses were plain out pitiful pitiful places for somebody to live in right and so masters would even take sexual liberties with the women and they rewarded that good behavior with favors while rebellious people were brutally punished whipped humiliated hot box many other forms of torture that they figured out they could do to these people and then along with this strict code of you can't do this to impact reliance on the slaves so that they had to rely on their masters they also put up a system of a hierarchy within the slave community so if you were a house worker you would be privileged you were a skilled artisan you're privileged down to the lowly field hands who were people who worked in the field picked cotton typically um and they kept them divided because they didn't want to really 
have them uh, rebel against the slave masters because in all manners of speaking you have people about let's say 10 people who live in this house and you have over 150 slaves if 10 people are fighting against these 100 people 150 slaves clearly the slaves are going to win so they wanted to take the slaves and divide them and make them feel like they were better than each other in order to have that rebellion be stopped. Another thing too is when slaves would try to escape or run away, they would cut off their toes and they would send them back or they would just send them back and torture them and they would teach the slaves that, hey, this behavior is not appropriate for you. So unless you wanna get hurt, you're not gonna do what they did. And other slaves would be like, why did you do that? You you hurt yourself, this is your fault. You shouldn't have done that. So that caused an even bigger division between slaves. And slavery really impacts us today, right now, because you get children who don't know their history, you don't know where you came from. So the American system can tell you, you, you did this and y'all did this and they can really tell you what your life is because you really don't know your history right so it all kept black community and slaves down under the foot of this american system that they tried to impose upon us unwillingly and it set back the black community for years hundreds of years as you can see even now it's hard for black families to even dream of catching up to the levels of rich white landowners and people with old money even people with new money it's just a lot harder for us to live these moments down and live our history down and say we're going to move on because there really isn't any moving on from keeping slaves <laughs> there's no moving on and you don't see this teached or taught in class because it's really uncomfortable subject as a black woman i've sat in class and listened about history about slavery and everybody would turn and look at me it's really uncomfortable so people really don't want to like open up and talk about it so when it is talked about it's such a heavy subject and it is a heavy subject in general but it makes people uncomfortable and that's why we don't talk about it. So when you start thinking about how slavery is unacceptable, you start thinking about abolitionism and pretty much running away from everything that the slaves were brought over here to do so due to the brutality and the inequality that slaves face many call for the abolishment of slavery mostly in the north due to slavery being an economic crutch for the south pretty much the underground railroad is also something that people like to bring up a lot so you have people like isaac hopper john brown harriet tubman Thomas Garrett, William Steele, Levi Coffin, Elijah Ayres Anderson, and Thaddeus Stevens. So more call for the abolishment of slavery came with the Civil War. 
many people were divided the north and south were divided on whether they should stop slavery because the south was like hey this is the way our economy works and the north was like you guys don't need that because they were more industrialized right so now you get the fugitive slave act where people were trying to help these slaves get out of the situation and you get this act that is passed by congress in 1793 and it was authorized by local governments to seize and return escapees to their owners and it would impose penalties on anyone who aided in their fight basically so many slaves would get tortured upon being returned as well and slaves were hunted down by dogs they were hunted down by bounty hunters and many mothers would hide food in their children's hair through braiding and all these different styles to help them on their trip and also mothers would suffocate their babies sometimes to stop them from crying and having to do that to your child after you're trying to get out of the situation is something that really really hurt slaves and mothers at that time and so that's another reason why you have cultural movements like having our hair out being to able to wear our hair natural at work and having our hair in braids and locks and things like that that's why it is so important to the black community so on january 31st 1865 the congress passed the 13th Amendment, and it was later ratified on December 6th of 1865. Now, the 13th Amendment stated that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for a crime whereof the party shall have been convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. So that means any U.S. island, any island that is owned by the U.S., right? So, That was really something big for slaves and slavery and something big for the Black community as a whole because it's finally, finally happening after hundreds, many years of torture, of seeing your your family die, taken away from you. It was finally happening that you were free, so to speak. But really the freedom didn't really start until many years down the line and is still trying to break away from that hold even today so after the civil war in many states slaves who fought thought they were going to be freed but they weren't President Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation to set the slaves free in America, and then you get the development of the 13th Amendment. And so there were two things that were big at the time of the Civil War, after post-Civil War, I should say. It was the Black Codes and sharecropping. Now, the Black Codes was a group of laws that was designed to limit the freedom of African Americans to ensure that the availability during the post-Civil War times so that they would be able to work the crops still. Some included 
some of these codes actually included black men had to be employed or they would face jail time. And as a slave, you just got out of slavery. It'll probably be hard to find a job. But there was something that was put in place, and that's sharecropping. Now, sharecropping happened because slaves committed so much of their time unwillingly, and they contributed so much to the economy in the South. So post-Civil War, rural parts of the country face economic crisis, right? So sharecropping is a type of farming in which families would rent small parts of land from the landowner in return for a portion of their crop to be given to the landowner each year. And different types of sharecropping have been practiced worldwide for centuries. But in the rural South, this really, really helped the economic crisis that the South was going through. And it was typically practiced by former slaves. So now you have at least two or three generations down. You're starting to get this new idea of having the children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren of these former slaves separate from everybody else, basically, in society because you didn't want them to be in your schools. You didn't want them to be in your churches, in your shops, anywhere near you really so you have things called Jim Crow laws that are set in place and Jim Crow laws were a collection of state and local statutes that legalized racial segregation so it was legal for people to say I don't want colored folk I don't want black people in my establishment based off the fact that they are black or based off the fact that they are darker than you And so it really dehumanized black people even more than they already were. And so during the mid-1960s, you start to see more and more dehumanizing things pop up, like segregation, but also in the media, you get to see African Americans portrayed as stupid, as savages, as rapists, and other dehumanizing depictions. And one big thing about this too is big companies like Disney even did this at one point and the productions of things like Sambo was out and children would watch it and they would take in this information and that racism would be in their minds in their hearts it'd be something that they would laugh at so it really was institutionalized at that point and so Even with the school system, having children realize that black people can't be in their school because of the fact that they're black and having separate schools for them, it really furthered this plot to dehumanize black Americans at this time. And so with this, you start to get in the mid-1960s, 1970s, where people really had this spark of rebellion the spark of they're not gonna take it anymore and with this you see the rise of the kkk or the ku klux klan and basically the ku klux klan was really popular at the height of the civil rights movement 
and it was a white supremacist group, not was, is still around today, a white supremacist group that targets black Jews and many other groups. And basically, this group would go around, they would perform acts of terrorism against these young black folks. They still do. They would go in and they would firebomb houses, they would firebomb churches, and a really prevalent example of that is the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing, where four young girls, Denise McNair, Addie Mae Collins, Carol Robinson, and Cynthia Weasley, all died. And to this day, we remember the white supremacy that was driven behind this attack and the racism that was driven behind this attack. And we looked at these little girls as a symbol of hope and healing and reform, basically. And so now you start to get people attacking, not only the Ku Klux Klan attacking, but citizens and other white supremacists and racists attacking people like Emmett Till, who was a 14-year-old black African-American boy who was brutally murdered for allegedly insulting and or whistling at a white female store clerk. And basically, it's sad that Till's grossly defigured body with one eye dangling out of the cheek, a smashed nose, a bullet hole through his head, an axe slice in his head, and his choked out tongue washed ashore at the Tallahatchie River. And this was published in multiple news stories, newspapers, because Emmett Till's mother, and his photo was even published too, his his mother really wanted to show the racism and the basic disregard for human life at this time. And you get parallels of that today, which we will talk about later. So now you're getting towards the height of the civil rights movement and you're starting to see people protesting and you're starting to see people form organizations like the NAACP or the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. And so the NAACP was a really big help in the civil rights movement because they wanted to advance colored people in many southern states and northern states. They wanted to help with the advancement of black people in America. They wanted to see them get more and get the things that their white predecessors or their white comrades or the right people in general that white people in general had they wanted to see children have this they wanted to see children have the right to go to the same schools the right to the same education the right to the same quality of life education and freedom that white americans had So you really get to see these big groups start to move, whether peaceful like the NAACP or non-peaceful like the Black Panthers at one point. You see people calling for change. And so with this change, you get protests and the civil rights movement really started because they wanted that regardless of gender, race, color, or even nationality, they wanted the same protections and the same rights under the law. They just wanted their rights to be protected. So you get protests, and one of the big protests happened in Selma, Alabama. There's also protests that happened in Montgomery, Alabama. Alabama was a very racist state at that point in time. So you see a lot of people fighting for 
justice in those southern states, really. And so you get things like Bloody Sunday. So after the efforts to equalize voter registration in America, um, protests still continued even with the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And black voters met fierce opposition And so on the day of February 18th, white segregationists attacked a group of peaceful demonstrators in the town of Marion, Alabama. And in the ensuing chaos that was going on, an Alabama state trooper shot a man or a young African-American man named Jimmy Lee Jackson. And he was just a peaceful demonstrator. So a lot of these peaceful protests, a lot of these protests in general were met with fierce opposition from white segregationists, the Ku Klux Klan, racist white people. And they were saying that it was getting out of hand when in all actuality, they, the protesters, they just wanted their same freedoms and so you start to get this parallel to today so after the civil rights act of 1968 where president johnson was basically kind of forced into this tight spot so he signed it and it's also known as the fair housing act providing equal housing opportunities regardless of race religion or national origin and the civil rights act of 1964 you after these two acts you start really seeing a real change a real reform and you start seeing a lot of white people join together with black americans during the civil rights act and the civil rights movement just because they wanted to see change in their country as well so how this parallels today i've mentioned that before that it parallels a lot today now in america Although you have these civil rights acts, you have all these 14th, 15th, 13th Amendment, you have all these things, all these laws that are put into place, the same rights for white Americans may be the same for black Americans, but they're not applied in the same way. They may be written down on paper, but the application is different for black Americans versus white Americans. And that's where the topic of white privilege really comes up because you get racial profiling and racial profiling is not just limited to recent events leading up to the Black Lives Matter movement, but it's gone on for years now. And it really started at the end of slavery, right? Because the black codes, they didn't want the black men and black women out on the street destroying their property, air quotes, doing all these bad things so they profiled them as savages they profiled them as stupid as rapists as robbers as people who want to thieve and steal so you really get from the time of slavery ended you get racial profiling and it's still prevalent today because a black woman me myself a black woman could go into a store and a white woman could go into a store and the white woman will be looked over or passed by with no second thought but for a black woman to step in the store people think oh is she does she have enough money to be here um is she gonna steal anything from us and i've had that happen multiple times and i know multiple people who have had that happen and i know multiple men who have had that happen 
and it just shocks the world when we do pay for things because we are painted out in america now to be thieves to be hoodlums to be thugs to be gangsters all of these things that don't really apply to the average black american just trying to live their life right and then not even racial profiling is prevalent today but you see police brutality and it really corrupted the trust for this police system and a call for reform with the black lives matter movement has been made in the united states through the protests and many have been killed from racial profiling and police brutality and typically you see black men or people of color being in this category like george floyd and brianna taylor and eric garner and so many more so many more there's too many to name and that's a problem once you start seeing cases like this being too many people to name then you really see the gravity of this even one person's name in this list of people is so precious and you see the hurt and the pain in the black community when something like this happens and when their murderers basically these policemen or women out in the forest you see them walk free you see still they have their lives you see that even though they felt air quotes that their life was in danger they still have their lives but men of color people of color don't and that's the problem it's the problem with the corruption that's been in the police force you even see the disconnect between black america in the criminal justice system for example kowan charles he was a 15 year old boy who was found dead three days after he was taken from his family home by a family friend without their permission and he was reportedly drowned and after pictures of him circulated in social media his family really thinks otherwise the pictures show that he was harmed in other ways and so basically the racial injustice with this comes when the family was denied the autopsy report and they have to now pay for a new autopsy on their own and the family argues that if there was a 15 year old white girl who happened to have had this happen to her their case would have been taken more seriously Now more than ever, you're seeing this call for equality, not even equality, but for our rights to be applied in the same way and for justice to really be applied in the same way with the Black Lives Matter movement. And basically the Black Lives Matter movement sparked against the fighting injustice and it really wants Black people to gain their dignity back. and the media has stopped dehumanizing us and for America and the systems that are put in place to stop dehumanizing everything. And 
It was brought to life originally after the case of Trayvon Martin, but it was really reborn after the case of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And the movement is mostly against the police brutality and racial profiling, but it has blossomed into not only the rights for Black people, but for also people to be protected as a person of color in general. You also see the discrimination in the workplace. So you see workplace discrimination with hair types and dress types. And you see school discrimination with hair types as well. And basically the addition of discrimination with abonics or our diction that we use, which is things like hair and diction and things like that were really deeply rooted into the black community from the time of slavery all the way down to now and so now blacks in america really and basically pretty much everybody in america most people in america are calling for the justice of black people and the black lives matter movement isn't even a movement just about black people but it's a movement because once you get justice for black people you start getting justice for everybody else you just start getting justice for every person of color and so that's what really this movement is about and so now we're starting to get into modern day and we're starting talking about what's going to happen now and in the future and the hope for that is that we really get to a point where we can say that we have justice for all. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Say Our Names podcast. This has been episode one, History. Through this episode, we've talked about topics from slavery all the way down to the Black Lives Matter movement in more modern times. This is not only the history of Black people in a community, but also the history of our nation. We realize that this history is far more rich and deep. So if you do want to go look up and do your own research, we invite you to do that. And we invite you to figure out things and lace things together for yourself. This has been a brief retelling of the story of Black America because there is so much more richness and depth in there. But if you really want to continue this story, check out episode two and episode three of the Say Our Name podcast, Victories and Tragedies. Thank you. This is episode three of the Say Our Names podcast. My name is Mason, and let's get into this. As I said before, this is episode three, titled Change. In episode one, we looked at the history of the injustice that faced the black community, and in episode two, we looked at the progress and fight made, progress and fights made for justice for the black community. In this episode, we will look at the current status of justice for the black community, as well as some goals towards justice that the black community has. First, I want to talk about some of the goals we found that the black community has. Starting off, we find that one of the major goals seen within the African-American community is to fight to remove police injustice. This goal is even more reinforced with the recent tragic killings of George Floyd by the Minneapolis Police Department and Breonna Taylor by the Louisville Police Department. Both of these deaths were unjust and put into light the situation of police injustice against the black community. 
After these events, efforts are being are in the works to make police more accountable for their actions, but there's still more that could be would help the soul. Things such as independent investigations and prosecutions of police, as well as the fight to end systematic racism deeply embedded in law. All of these would work towards the goal that all people, not only the black community, can walk out of their homes and go about their day-to-day lives and not fear for their lives. Outside of the fight for the removal of police injustice, there's still a goal of racial equality. For the black community, things that go into this goal are is having racial equality in the workplace. We set, see that there's still color discrimination in the workplace, like people having to face derogatory comments about their nationality or skin color, as well as companies found not hiring people just based off their skin color. But there are things like the, the U.S. Equal Opportunities, Equal Employment Opportunities Commission fighting to make these goals of equal employment a reality, not only for the black community, but all other people facing inequalities and injustice as well. Something else that falls under the fight for racial equality is the uh, end of discrimination and bringing light to the effects that discrimination can cause the fact that the fact that discrimination based on the race can cause all sorts of issues such as dividing cultures and segregation as well as real health consequences those ones being low birth rates and high blood pressure that's why we need to bring these things into light and those are just some of the goals that we found that the black community has. Next, I want to talk about some of the current efforts going on for the black community. All of these, which I just talked about, things that are currently being done have to do with the criminal justice system. A lot of things that are currently being done have to do with the criminal justice system and the fight to end police injustice. One of the current things being done that links to one of these goals is an act that has just been passed through Congress and is currently being reviewed by the Senate. It's called the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2020. This bill focuses on things, a wide range of policies and issues regarding policing practices and law enforcement accountability. This bill also has measures to increase accountability for policing misconduct. This is a really good thing to hear in my opinion, as it shows that there's an actual response within our government to what needs to be changed to help fight for justice that has been absent for so long. Something else that's being done is the study to find out why there's such an over-representation of black and Latinx people in their prison systems, as well as them receiving longer sentences as well. And the study wishes to understand the reasoning for this over-representation. Another effort that is currently being worked on is an investigation by the General Accounting Offices on why African-American motorists are more likely to be stopped on the roadways. All these efforts to progress towards the goal of the black community. This concludes episode three of the Say Our Names podcast. Thank you for listening.